Hey, everybody, it's so great to be with you. Wherever you may be right now, whatever time it may be, it is a gift that we can share it together and share in hearing from God together. So let's open up our hearts. I'm going to read to you a scripture that it is my hope that we will, you will live in a bit over the next few weeks. I'm hoping that the words, and they're sort of like distinct list of words, become quite familiar to you, that they sink in your heart and sink in your mind. So here we go. It's from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. My bus, when I was growing up, bus 129, uh, stopped right in front of uh, the entrance to our street off of a, of a little highway there. Uh, at that time, no bus could go down our little country road. It was too narrow for that, and there was no way a bus could turn around. So me and my older brother Andy, for years, were just dropped off right at the front of our street, and we had to walk all the way to our house, which was about, uh, I don't know, maybe a half mile away, uphill both ways in the snow, all that kind of stuff. But we had to, we had to make that walk day after day, and we actually enjoyed the walk. It was sort of a nice decompression, you know, after a stressful day at Gladeville Elementary School as we were gearing up for a long afternoon of playing Nintendo and eating Little Debbie cakes. So we had this walk on the in-between, and it didn't take us long to realize that there was a shortcut. So we found not too long after living there that there was a hole in a fence made by an escaped cow, legend had it. There was a hole in a fence that was in the back of Mr. Hager's yard that if we went through the hole in the fence, it went right into the back of our field and then we could walk to the back of our house, uh, shortening our commute probably by half every afternoon. But to get to that hole in the fence, we actually had to walk right through Mr. Hager's garden. Now, this sounds like a story that's like a setup for some great conflict of a mean man, you know, carrying a rake or something like that, but it was quite the opposite. Mr. Hager was this very gentle, kind, retired guy. He always wore this wide-brimmed hat, and he had no problem at all with me and my older brother cutting through the garden to get to the hole in the fence. Every year, as we neared our summer vacation, and we were getting excited about being out of school, every year around that time when we were making our walk through Mr. Hager's garden, there would come a time when he would approach us and he would say, they're ready. Now, we had watched Mr. Hager for some time. He was either on the tractor or watering the plants. Many times, this is interesting to us, he would just be sitting on a five-gallon bucket turned upside down just sort of looking at the plants. But there'd come this time when he would come to us and say, they're ready, and the they he was talking about were Mr. Hager's prized watermelons. My brother and I had been watching them, watching them grow as we walked down the rows week by week. They started out kind of white, and then they would become this really deep, deep green and get these uh, lighter green stripes that would go (laughs) across them. And we knew when they got those green stripes that we were getting close. And so when he said, they're ready, what he was saying to me and Andy was, you can pick out your watermelon. We felt like at least we were the first ones to pick. And of course, we would find the biggest watermelon we could, snap it off the vine, hit that hole in the fence, probably without even saying a thank you. And I remember we'd throw the watermelon up on our shoulder and pass it back and forth till we got to the house. And this watermelon was 
was not saved for some Saturday party. We did not wait for mom to cut some like handheld uh, little watermelon pieces. I don't know if you've ever done this, but what me and Andy would do is we would break the watermelon open and just sink our faces into the half (laughs) that we got. This was before those magic uh, seedless watermelons that they make now. So we would sink our mouths into it and have the seeds, and we'd spit them on the ground, and we'd spit them at each other, and there would be red juice running down our chins, and we breathed, and we lived, and we exulted in this beautiful fruit grown with the careful eye of an experienced gardener. I want to tell you about some beautiful fruit that you cannot grow on your own, but that can be grown in you. I wanna tell you about, it's gonna sound weird for for a minute, I'm gonna tell you about uh, some fruit that can be grown in you, that can do something in you, that's more than you, that's bigger than you, that's actually ready for you, that's ready to change you, and it is the fruit of the Spirit of God. This crazy image, the fruit of the Spirit of Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit of the church can grow in you love, can grow in you joy, can grow in you peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. It can grow in you gentleness. It can grow in you self-control. For the last six weeks, we've been talking here at Providence Church about the Holy Spirit of God. Talked about as a promise, Jesus said that he would give to his people. And we've been saying that this promise in us is the one thing that's going to get us through. But I wondered if you have wondered, what is that going to look like in my life? What's it going to actually look like as it comes into my life? What are people going to see? What's the world going to see growing in us? What's the evidence of the Spirit? Sometimes I think we, we think of some different expressions of the Spirit that are connected to the Holy Spirit of God, like we might think of some expression that we might have in worship. I like to raise my hands in worship. It's not for everybody, but I like to do it. I love to do it. But me raising my hands in worship is not the evidence of the Holy Spirit. It's just a response that I'm feeling. Or you may uh, be someone who's faithfully joining us online, whatever time you may do that. Or you may be a member of a church, and church attendance is great, and joining a church is a cool thing to do. But that's not evidence of the Holy Spirit. It's a response that you're having. Something we talk about a lot here is, is serving people who are in need, which is a really beautiful thing, that we give our lives and, and serve other people. But, but raising your hands or attendance in church or even serving the poor is not We're being told here the evidence of the Spirit, the evidence that the Spirit is in you and in me is going to look like love. It's going to look like joy. It's going to feel like peace. It's going to be expressed in patience. People are going to notice your kindness. They're going to be surprised by your gentleness. They're going to be wowed by your ability to have self-control when everything else is out of control. This scripture, Galatians chapter 5, was written by a man named Paul. 
He was this great church planter, which means he planted churches. He started churches, sort of like a seed in the ground. They would grow up. And Paul's custom in starting churches was that he would start and get the church going, maybe just a group of people meeting in the house, and then he would move on. Galatians chapter 5 is one of those moments where I picture Pastor Paul writing in a way that he says he did in some other places. It's not here, so this may not be an accurate description, but I hear Pastor Paul writing to that old church in Galatia that he that helped start. I picture Paul with tears streaming down his cheeks. I don't know if you know that, but pastors shed tears over their churches. Pastors shed tears over communities. A pastor like Paul, who's longing to be with his people, but he can't be. There's something that separates them. He's writing to them. He's sending words to them. And I picture him with emotion as he sees and knows and has heard of the state of the church in Galatia. And he sees that they have now become bound up in something that they do not have to be bound up in that they have found themselves in the chains of the pressures and the stresses of the culture of their day. Paul's heard reports of what's going on there, and he sees that it's as if the church has been tied up. And Paul comes to them with these words. I picture tears dripping onto the page, and he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were actually called to be free. You're bound up by the world, but you you were called to be free. And you don't have to be uh, bound up in this way. I'll read the verse to you. He says, you're called to be free. And what Paul is doing here, I want you to make sure you know what's coming, is that he is about to get real specific. He's about to get real specific to these people that he actually knows, this church that he cares about. This is a, a specific church and a specific people. He addresses them as my brothers and my sisters. And so if you're into sort of broad, vague scriptures where you can kind of make of it whatever you want to, you're not going to dig this passage of scripture because Paul gets super specific with his people. And he says, you're called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. The flesh is is just sort of this metaphor for kind of what we would want to do, what we would do on our own, what we would do outside of the spirit of God. He says, don't use that freedom that you've been given to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. He's teaching them as a gentle pastor. Now, he's heard that they are actually biting and devouring each other, not with their actual teeth, but with their words. Can you imagine Christians who would be biting and devouring each other? And he says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So, Paul says, I say, walk by the Spirit. This is the way he's teaching them of how you could take this promise that's been given to the church and begin to kind of fit it into your life, find out what it means, what it's going to look like for your life. So he says, so walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Actually, in Galatians 5, 17, 18, and on, you can read about this long list that Paul gives of the desires of the flesh. And these are not imaginary things that Paul's bringing up. It's actually what he's heard and seen is happening in the church in Galatia. He lists things like sexual immorality, jealousy, division and dissension within the church, factions that are breaking, brokenness in the church. Paul lists them in another exhaustive list of like, this is what happens when you let the freedom that God has given you make you think you can do whatever you want. But, he says... That's not the fruit of the Spirit. 
He says the fruit of the Spirit, what grows out of us when the Spirit is in us, is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. You may be wondering, how many times is he going to say this verse? A bunch, okay? I want you to see it again. I'm going to read it to you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul wraps up this passage by saying, those who belong to Christ have crucified their flesh. It sounds extreme. It's because it is. He says, those who belong to Christ have put to death the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Interesting line to close it out. He says, let's not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. I've puzzled on this uh, passage a bit this week because Paul has two sort of metaphors, two images that he gives us there. One is this fruit of the Spirit that's growing up out of the one who has the Spirit in them. And then, uh, actually, the fruit of the Spirit is sort of sandwiched in between these two uh, sort of parallel images of, he says, to walk in the Spirit. And then on the other side of it, he says to stay in step with the Spirit. So a good speech professor would say, hey, man, that's too many metaphors, right? What are you doing? You know, let, you know stick to one. But Paul thought they were both important. The, the image of walking or staying in step with the Spirit, staying close to the Spirit, and then what grows out of it is like fruit. And that's why uh, I gave uh, this story of a gardener. It's the best way that I could think to describe or to think about these two images. Because in a garden, you have fruit that's growing, and at the same time, you have someone maybe like Mr. Hager who's staying close by, right, on the tractor or with the hose or maybe even sitting on the bucket. The fruit of the Spirit grows out of the life that is in step with the Spirit. The fruit grows out of the life that is in step with the Spirit. And that's why I want to say this to you. The fruit cannot be mustered up. <laughs> mustard is maybe not a, a word. Uh, mustard, like on your hot dog, but it's a different mustard. Mustard is uh, a word we don't use that much. It just means to, uh, to rouse or to summon, right? So uh, the fruit can't just be uh, summoned up out of nowhere. In the same way that you couldn't plant a seed in your garden and come back a couple of hours later and look at it and say, now, watermelon. You can't just muster it up out of nowhere. I think Paul's giving this image to say, like, uh, you know, early Christians, new Christians, if you're thinking that you can just plant a seed of patience in your heart, and then a couple hours later, be able to summon it up just like that, you're sadly mistaken. This is sort of like, I don't know that this is bad news, but what he's saying is like love and joy and peace and patience are unmusterable, which is not a word. They can't just be summoned. I mean, you can, you can seek to love others when you're not feeling loving in your heart. You can, you can try to act joyful uh, you, can, you, can, you can try to draw upon some patience. What I'm saying is if that has not taken root in your heart, if you've not tended that, you will not be able to just summon it up. Well, what we're seeing here is there's kind of these two ways that, that things grow. In, in a garden, you have the way that things grow with soil and light and, and uh, sunshine and all those things. There's this growth that happens that no human can do. But then at the same time, there is this sort of tending that we can do alongside of it. 
Paul's given us this full image of what it's like for the Spirit to be able to grow something that we can't do on our own, but then he's also giving us a little indication that there's a part that we have to do. I've heard about many of you uh, planting what I might call a quarantine garden, (laughs) right? There was a lot of us when we were home for so long, we thought, now I can do this. Now I can finally have the green thumb and I can be a gardener. I've never, I've never known so many people to grow herbs, you know, like (laughs) that's that's a thing now, like people who've never grown stuff. I've had more than one person say, pastor, you want some herbs from my garden? I'm like, no, I'm good with the shakers. I don't even know that. I wouldn't even know what to do with those. But as you have tried to garden, as you have tried to plant, have you noticed that you can't just put something in the ground and then the next moment it comes? There's no guarantee that that will happen, even with your best effort. What I'm getting at here right now, guys, is this is what I've been wanting to tell you the, the whole time, is there is actually something that the Spirit can do inside of you that you cannot do. That when the Holy Spirit of God, the promise, comes into your life, we are told in the scriptures that it seals your heart with your salvation. But in that moment, the Spirit is not done with you. That there is actually a movement and a work of God's Spirit in you that can begin to grow things that you could never grow on your own. There's a big church word for this. It's called sanctification. And what sanctification means is that there's a power of God's grace and spirit within you that is going to continue to work inside of you, outside of your own striving. And what that spirit is doing, the scripture tells us in several places, and Paul is one of the ones who talks about it the most, what that spirit is doing in you is actually making you more like Jesus. These words in Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, these are the attributes of the one who we call Lord. These are the, the, this is the way he lived. And so what Jesus is giving to us with his very spirit is not a seal and then leave us alone. He's actually growing in us his very nature. And that the more we walk with Jesus, the more we stay close to Jesus, the more that we allow the Spirit to move inside of us, the more these things can actually grow up out of us in a supernatural way. So much so, I have seen people uh, who I would have said were the most impatient people in the world who once they allowed the Holy Spirit to come and change them, like a baptism to cover their whole lives, are now finding great patience in their lives. I've seen people who had huge struggles with anxiety, fear, who have found peace only through the supernatural work of the Spirit growing inside of them. And so it leads the follower of Jesus to come to a place in their life where they will no longer just turn over every stone that their fleshly desires and passions tell them to. Instead, they will say, no, I yield my whole life to Jesus. I will let my flesh and fleshly desires be crucified because Jesus was crucified for me. There is this submission to the Spirit that opens us up to a supernatural work, which leads me to my next point, which just says the fruit that comes out of us is beautiful to behold. That what starts happening in us is so beautiful, like a garden where seeds were once planted And now, watermelon (laughs) 
deep green with light green stripes are being snapped off the vine, thrown onto a shoulder, and enjoyed, and exulted in even. I've got this dream for this uh, time that we've been in, this pandemic, this quarantine, whatever, whatever it is, that there will be some moments in our lives as the people of God that people will begin to notice some things coming out of us, and they'll be like, whoa, where did that gentle spirit come from? And we'll have to say, oh, man, back in the depths of quarantine, I invited the Holy Spirit to come and crash over me like a baptism. <laughs> I can't even explain to you how somehow I have a patience that I never had before, but I'm giving credit to the Holy Spirit of God that's actually working in me, working in me, working in me, crafting me and forming me more into the likeness of Jesus. <laughs> I've got this dream that this time that's felt like an incubation <laughs> It's felt at times like we're actually being crucified. Could really be a crucifixion of our flesh, of our jealousy, of our desire to compare with everybody else, of our tendency to draw lines in the sand, of our willingness to make factions and divisions even within the people of God. And that there could be this thing that instead happens where we crucify those things. We say because Jesus was able, was willing to be crucified for me, I would be willing to give all those things up and yield my life to him and allow the spirit to grow things in me. And what the scripture tells us will happen in us is that the actual attributes of Jesus Christ, our Lord, will begin to grow up out of us. Like love will grow out of a life in the spirit. I believe that happens, that love grows out of a life in the spirit. I've seen that um, a couple times this week, actually, walking alongside some families in our church. Um, unfortunately, I've walked alongside uh, more than one family who's either lost a loved one or a family member is near death. And in each situation, I've heard these phrases that are not cliche, but were, but were real, as the people who were surrounding the bed or, or surrounding the grave were giving a testament to the love of their family member. And because I know a bit of their story, I know that that kind of love grows out of a life in the Spirit. I'm a Mount Juliet boy, Mount Juliet, Tennessee, and this week we lost um, one of our most uh, revered hometown heroes, Charlie Daniels. And I was amazed as I've heard people talk about Charlie Daniels, for one, that almost anybody who's lived in Mount Juliet and people that have grown up in Mount Juliet have these multiple times that they've encountered him as he came to the schools, as he served people, as he took care of needs. And I've heard so many people attest to, to the love of this famous man, Charlie Daniels. In my own story, I've had the, the pleasure of encountering uh, Charlie Daniels in different situations, at funerals, at weddings, and could attest to that same kind of love that came out of his life. In our city, we've seen this huge testament to a life, and I know enough about Charlie Daniels that he sought to live his life in connection with the Spirit. Interesting. That the love that we would testify to would actually be a testament to the Spirit working in someone. 
These things grow out of us, like joy grows out of a life in the Spirit. Peace grows out of a life in the Spirit. Patience grows out of a life in the Spirit. I, I, I have noticed people in the midst of pandemic with joy and wondering, like, where could that come from? Where could that uh, kind of exultation come from in the midst of this? And you realize, oh, there's something working inside of them. There's a connection. There's a growth. There's, there's the Spirit. This peace that grows out of a life in the Spirit I've become somewhat known for talking about my anxieties and my fears. Hardly a day goes by that I don't have someone contact me and say, hey, I've heard you struggled with this, I struggle with that. And that's all good, and I'm pretty honest that that's a continued struggle in my life. But I would be lying if I didn't tell you that I know deep peace through Jesus Christ. And that a struggle that I identified 20 years ago of anxiety is, is not like it was 20 years ago. Because I am being sanctified. Because the Spirit has not given up on me. Because the Spirit of God is working in me. I know a peace that I thought I would never know. I have some things that I can call upon in the spirit world that can, that can begin to still my heart and center me on Christ and give me a peace, like the Scripture says, that transcends all understanding. It's because it's supernatural. If some of this is new to you, I just welcome you into it. What we're saying as the people who follow Jesus the people who have founded uh, the church on the Spirit of God are saying, we believe that the Spirit can do things that are way beyond our control, way beyond our reach, <laughs> and way beyond what we can hold on to. And so when we relinquish our life to that, things start growing out of us that are really, really powerful. Patience, I think, might be one of these uh, attributes of the fruit of the Spirit that might be hardest for us. I asked the church staff this week to think about which one of these things is the one that God really needs to keep working in you. For me, it's patience. I've just always said it, sort of had an impatient nature. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm growing in that. I have some issues <laughs> that God is working on, but I'm finding a lot of hope as we are digging into this scripture to say that I believe that God can, can grow this in me. I'm not too old yet for there to be some major change in my life. And what is that gonna mean? it's gonna mean that I'd have to be willing to crucify some of these desires and passions and things that I used to go after and seek to stay in step with the Spirit. That's what Paul says is the way, uh, the work that we can do. You know, we might ask ourselves as we hear about the supernatural work, so it's like, what are we saying? What am I supposed to do? Just sit back and let the Holy Spirit of God do its work in me? Yes, Am I supposed to just sit back and let the Spirit do its work in me? Yes, and stay in step with the Spirit. You will not be able to see these things grow out of your life if you are not willing to be attentive to the Holy Spirit. You, you won't see those happen if you're not willing to listen to the Spirit in your life. If you're not willing to turn the bucket upside down and sit and wait and watch and tend. What I'm saying is there's this beautiful stuff that can happen in you as you allow the supernatural work to come alongside your intentional work. The Spirit is doing an intentional work in your life, and we are being called to intentionally stay in step with the Spirit. Uh, it says that there near the, the end of Galatians chapter five, that it says, so since we live by the Spirit, let us stay in step with the Spirit. 
And so as we walk through just a couple of weeks, as we're going to look at more in depth into these words and what Jesus is, is calling into us, I just want you to open your mind and heart to the belief that the Spirit could be working in you, a long time progressive work to grow these beautiful things in you, and an acknowledgement of your own mind and heart to say, I am going to seek to stay in step with the Spirit. That'll be our prayer, okay? Pray with me. Oh God, as we believe that you can do something in us that we can't do on our own. Some of us right now sitting in our living room and, and, and moving into this time of prayer know how impatient we are, know how we have not been kind, might feel like we don't have a gentle bone in our body, and yet we're gonna, we're gonna claim and believe that the Holy Spirit can do something that we can't do on our own, that there could be a work and a growth in us. And so God, now in prayer, we come to say to you that we are going to seek to live by the Spirit to walk in the Spirit, and to stay in step with the Spirit, to crucify those fleshly passions and desires. Open up our hearts to what you could grow in us. So Lord, please make us more like Jesus. Make us see like Jesus, hear like Jesus. And to a world that is around us, we pray that they, in our love and our joy and our peace and our patience, would see Jesus in us. In his name we pray, amen.